This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Amid a scandal-plagued week for his government, the federal finance minister dropped by Zoomer Radio to offer a glimpse into the upcoming federal budget, the last one before the fall election. And table tennis can be a low-impact sport with many health benefits for older Canadians, but a Toronto senior athlete is taking it to the next level. We'll introduce you to the 75-year-old who will compete in next year's Table Tennis World Championship. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. New research says women fare worse than men following aortic heart surgery. Females are 80% more likely to die, 90% more likely to experience a stroke, and 40% more likely to experience a complication. Lead author Dr. Jennifer Chung at Toronto's Peter Monk Cardiac Centre says her team has discovered this unfortunate phenomenon, but it will hopefully lead to more personalized medicine. The study is published in Circulation. Last August, Canada recalled a blood pressure drug with the active ingredient Valsartan. And now Pfizer Japan is also recalling the drug that's been found to contain a carcinogenic substance. More than 700,000 tablets manufactured in India have been recalled, but so far no reports of damage to health. British D-Day veterans, including those living in Canada, can apply for a free cruise to the beaches of France to mark the 75th anniversary of the invasion. The Royal British Legion has planned the eight-day trip in June that will land in Normandy exactly three-quarters of a century after Allied troops stormed the beaches. More than 10,000 Allied forces were killed on June 2, 1944, including over 1,000 Canadians. The Legion doesn't know how many veterans are living because there's never been a database. About 200 soldiers have signed up and there's space for a hundred more. Ontario's first female cabinet minister is still going strong at 97. But these days, Margaret Birch mostly avoids politics, even though she still gets asked to endorse candidates. In 1972, then-Premier Bill Davis appointed Birch to cabinet without portfolio responsible for youth. Davis, who's now 89, and Birch talked from time to time on the phone. By the way, she's about the same age as another female political trailblazer, former Mississauga Mayor Hazel McCallion, who turned 98 on Valentine's Day. And British prosecutors have decided not to lay charges against another 97-year-old, 
Prince Philip. They were considering prosecuting him after that car crash that involved a nine-month-old baby and left a woman with a broken wrist. But they decided not to go ahead after he voluntarily gave up his driver's license earlier this week. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. With a federal election just eight months away, the Trudeau government's final budget is expected sometime next month. The Zoomer advocacy group CARP has spent the last year calling for critical changes needed for older Canadians like financial security, health care and housing support. The man who will deliver the budget, Finance Minister Bill Morneau, visited our Zoomer Radio studios this week. We serve an older demographic. We're affiliated with CARP, a new vision of aging, and they came out with their advocacy plan for this budget. And it centers around financial security, help for caregivers, abuse prevention, and health care, of course, and social inclusion. You know, that's a pretty big basket of things. Um, Do you have a view on which of those areas is most urgent from your point of view? I think I wouldn't want to say which one is most urgent from my perspective, because I think we need to take the feedback from from groups like CARP and and Listen Hard. Caregiving is huge, uh, and caregivers save the government vast amounts of money. The burden falls on women more than on men. And uh, I know that you've made it a little easier to access that tax refund, but a lot of people are saying it really should be a refundable credit because there are a lot of people, they have to at least cut back their hours or stop working in order to be able to do this. Well, those are the sorts of things that that's what goes into a budget. We, mm-hmm. we need to look at ideas like that and think about, are they going to have a broad enough application to impact a lot of people? How much does it cost? And does the benefit have enough of an impact that we should consider that? As part of that caregiving piece, Canada committed to a dementia strategy, but it's not funded. And the numbers are are staggering. There are over half a million people now affected by dementia. It's going to go up to nearly a million in 15 years or so. And the Alzheimer's Society has made an ask of, a, of uh, 150 million over five years. I mean, it's, it's, it's a big ticket item. Mm. But most other G7 countries have made the commitment. Well, I think these are. This is an important thing for us to think about. We've yeah. we've been really from day one uh, thinking about what are the issues around mental health that we need to focus on as a government. So, you will have seen when we came to new health care accords with the provinces, we put part of the funding against uh, mental health funding and asked the provinces to focus on that. Of course, that does reflect the division of uh, responsibilities in our country where provinces are responsible for the delivery of health care. We have an important role. But uh, ideas like the idea brought forward by the Alzheimer's Society are important for us to consider. We do see this issue as one that's important. It's growing and uh, presenting real challenges. The reason we very at the very front of our mandate, we started with things that we knew were going to have a big impact on both. That guaranteed income supplement, that was important. It was right at the beginning of our mandate, as was the increase in the Canada Child Benefit. So those did address the guaranteed income supplement, addressed single seniors. The Canada Child Benefit 
addressed families who are raising their kids. The Canada Pension Plan enhancement addressed, you know, people that are looking towards their retirement. So realistically, people that, that still had some more years of work in front of them. So those are, in a way, three different cohorts that we all, uh, we recognize that those were all important groups of people, and we're trying to deal with all three. I think that's the only way we can come at it. One of the things that is reported to be in the next budget is is some kind of pharmacare program or a commitment to a pharmacare program. There are two issues here. We need to think about the rising price of pharmaceutical products, and we need to think about the fact that we need to have everyone with access to pharmaceuticals. I don't think anybody believes that it's okay that some people don't have access or can't actually afford to fulfill their, for the pharmaceuticals. And it ends up costing the healthcare system huge it's, amounts of money. It's worse. So we don't see uh, the issue in any way as uh, the same way as the Ontario government seeing. We're saying we need to address both those issues. We've got an advisory committee that's going to present to us options on how we can move forward. And yes, to your question, we will inevitably need to have some negotiations with the provinces to make sure we get this right, because this is going to be a shared uh, area of jurisdiction. So there is going to be um, some discussion of this I hope, in the budget. We haven't got a final report from the advisory committee yet, so we're still working in that regard. But it will be an ongoing goal of our government to make sure we have universal access to pharmacare, and that we think Canadians are absolutely on board with. Okay, let's move on to uh, the deficit. Campaign promise was that the budget would be balanced by the end of the mandate, which is happening soon. And the Federal Finance Department says the date is now 2040, 2041. When we went into election, we were in a situation where there was a rapidly changing environment. You'll recall that uh, oil prices were plummeting at that stage. Uh, so the challenge was actually bigger than we thought. The impact of what we've done, important to remember, we had a high unemployment rate at that time, 7.1%. We've brought it down significantly. We had a technical recession. We've actually had really strong growth. And we've been able to do that while moving the deficit as a function of the economy and the debt as a function of the economy down each year. But much higher than you said it would be. Well, but it's moving in the right direction. So really the question and this is the the important question, is do you take the approach that some are advocating and and immediately balance the budget uh, using austerity and cuts to get there, or you do it in a gradual and balanced way that allows you to keep investing in Canadians, keep helping seniors to be uh, successful, keep helping families to be successful, but manage it down over time, and that's what we're achieving. Okay. Finance Minister Bill Morneau, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks very much. That was Federal Finance Minister Bill Morneau, who joined us in studio. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, at 75, a Toronto senior is gearing up for the biggest sports championship of his life. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. That's the sound of 75-year-old Gordon Cressy, a former Toronto City Councillor and father of current Councillor Joe Cressy, training for the 2020 Table Tennis World Seniors Championship. Joe tweeted a video of his dad at practice, and we caught up with Gordon during a break. 
I'm entering in the 75 to 80 division of the World Veterans. And I would not say it's quite five hours, but I am playing every day and I'm practicing to get much better. When did you retire and when did you take up ping pong? I'm actually, today is virtually my last day of work. I've been in the workforce for 55 years, which is a good run. Uh, But I played ping pong as a young person in Toronto and actually won the Ontario Junior Table Tennis Tournament in 1958 and 1959. Okay. And then I didn't play much for about 40-odd years, a little bit in the basement. And then I saw a movie documentary called Never Too Old for Gold, which was the World Veterans Table Tennis Tournament in China. And I thought, I can get back in this game. So two and a half years ago, I started to train, and there's a number of clubs, table tennis clubs, uh, on the outskirts of Toronto. And then I went off to China to do training because they are the best in the world. And so now I have a wonderful time making a lot of new friends playing ping pong. We are now having great difficulty in our relations with China. And when they first opened up, it was ping pong that opened the way all those many years ago. Absolutely. That's what led Richard Nixon to get there. And the Chinese continue to wear the Olympics. And I must admit, the club I'm a member of, I'd say 80% of the seniors are of Chinese origin. So we've become friends and uh, It's really quite wonderful. And the other thing I learned is that, for your audience, they'd like to know this, for people with onset dementia or Alzheimer's, the very best physical activity they can do is ping pong. When you were training in China, how did you do? Well, I went to a city called Shijiazhuang, of 11 million people, and I was the only one outside of the coach who spoke English. But that was six hours a day, six days a week. And at the end of it, the coach said, well, Mr. Cressy, your game has become much better. But to say that you will be competitive in the 75 to 80 based on where you are, the answer is you will not. But if you would come back for the six-month program of six (laughs) days a week, you could be competitive. So every Thursday, I go up to the Salvation Army, and we have a group of people who are playing ping pong. And it's great fun. We have one woman, 94, another woman, 89, who hadn't played since the Second World War. And also men are doing this, where in a lot of the seniors' activities, physical activities, it's only women. So that's another little bonus. But for me, it's finding a new passion that was an old passion and getting a chance to explore it. Have you won any championships, tournaments, anything since you took it up again? Yes. I actually, at George Brown College, where I uh, have been on the staff for the last few years helping raise some money, for the last two years, I have won the faculty staff tournament. You are training for the 2020 table tennis. Yes, it's going to be in Bordeaux, France in June. And uh, I have my partner, Sandy Ming-Chung, who's a very good player. And he, the reason he's playing with me is his partner is now 80. So he's going to play in the 80 to the 85. So he needed a new partner. If you do a racket sport at an earlier age, it comes back, doesn't it? This is 
absolutely true. It's the most fascinating thing that the Salvation Army is. Uh, two of the people hadn't played since the Second World War, and they're having so much fun. Not only that, another group from the Salvation Army who are in wheelchairs come to watch every week, and it's really quite one of those little things that grow that is kind of spectacular. That was Gordon Cressy, now training for the 2020 World Table Tennis Seniors Championship. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up after the break, we'll celebrate the birthday of a musician who has the honor of having the most played music video in the history of MTV. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. It's time for your international art state book. Tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. A theatrical version of Hemingway's The Old Man and the Sea, written by a 101-year-old friend of the author, wraps this weekend at the Pittsburgh Playhouse. A.E. Hotchner wrote the play at the author's urging. Apparently, Hemingway hated Spencer Tracy in the movie. To mark the 500th anniversary of his death, 12 of Leonardo da Vinci's original drawings have gone on display at the Ulster Museum in Belfast, Ireland. The classics season is underway in the United Arab Emirates, launched by a performance of Wagner's Val Curie. It tells the story of twins separated as children who meet as adults and fall in love. And Paramount Pictures Studios is hosting a new annual contemporary art fair in L.A. this weekend. Freeze Los Angeles brings together 60 of the most significant galleries from across the California city and around the world. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Book. This week, singer-songwriter Peter Gabriel celebrated his 69th birthday. He was born on February 13, 1950 in Surrey, England. Gabriel rose to fame as the original lead singer and flautist of the progressive rock band Genesis. He left Genesis in 1975 to start what would become a very successful solo career. His first single, Salisbury Hill, was an immediate hit and has since gone on to become a staple in rom-com movie soundtracks. In 1986, he released his most successful album, So, which contained the single Sledgehammer. Not only was it a popular song, but it also had an incredibly popular music video. It combined stop-motion animation, claymation, and pixelation to great effect. And it required Peter Gabriel lying under a sheet of glass for over 16 hours, filming one frame at a time. It was worth it. According to MTV, it is the most played music video in the history of the station. So, in honor of Peter Gabriel's 69th birthday right now, here is a taste of his huge single, Sledgehammer. That was a bit of Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer, the one-time lead singer of Genesis and successful solo artist, celebrated his 69th birthday earlier this week. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week when we tell you about a new way to resolve consumer complaints. 
You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. Produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.